welcome to Dillon Community Church. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time as we continue to move through Advent and the celebration ultimately of your coming to this world as a Savior. Lord, I just pray that today our hearts would be open, our ears and our eyes open to you, to hear your voice and to follow after you. May we be inspired by your love that you have for us. Star 
glorious now behold him around king and god and sacrifice Gosh, did you see that viral video, bro? I was laughing so hard. That was so hilarious. I got so distracted. Oh, no. For crying out loud, will you two watch where you're going? I'm so sorry I did not see you there. I swear this world is falling apart. Oh, he doesn't seem very hopeful. Hope? I had hope once. But after a lifetime of one thing after another, I've grown weary of hoping. I've lost my way. The way of hope is a fleeting thing for me. But there is hope. That's why I believe we ran into you. Oh, sorry about that again. To tell you that there's a beautiful personality behind the universe who knows you and who loves you. He sees right where you are. And I think we're supposed to be here to tell you to trust love and to follow the hope that he gives. Trust? Follow? How can I even know there is a God? Especially after everything I've been through, just seems like it's a letdown, one after the other. Everything? Everything you've experienced? Well, maybe not everything. Even the worst life has moments of pleasure and beauty. And these moments come from somewhere beyond. Have you ever thought that maybe these moments, like, like a fire, are meant to beckon us in from the cold and that maybe there's a personality behind them? Well... I guess not. No, not like that. Because it's, it's not like you can know for sure that he's there. I mean, you can't prove him. No, you're right. Not like that you can't, sitting on a dead stump. Knowing the Lord is alive and living, moving and growing. Let's see. How can I explain this? If you want to know the Lord, you'll want to follow. If you want to know his grace, You'll want to grow If you want to know His love Just start walking And through the walking You will come to know Let's say you want to sit down To a dinner But you're not sure at all The chair will stand Sure the chair looks like a winner But you're wishing you were thinner And the crown is where you'll see surely land but you'll never really know until you sit down and plant your keister firmly on that chair true you may fall or not fall at all but until you sit you're never really there 
through the walking you will come to know it all sounds so inviting. Hmm. But I'm too old and I'm too broken to believe in such things. No, 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 that's not true. Uh, wait, listen to this poem that we just read. He came to my desk with a quivering lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I've spoiled this one. I took his sheet, all soiled and blotted, and gave him a new one, all unspotted. And into his tired heart I cried, do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a trembling heart. The day was done. Have you a new day for me, dear master? I've spoiled this one. He took my day, all soiled and blotted, and gave me a new one, all unspotted. And into my tired heart he cried, do, do better, better now, my child. So that's just a small little snippet from a play that we produced about four years ago. And uh, Abby and Haley and Ron were happy to come in and dust off the cobwebs of that whole thing and put it, this just little snippet together for us. So it's, just give them a hand because that was just awesome. Thank you so much. So we're now it's time for the lighting of the uh, peace candle, and we have the Smith family going to come up and do that for us. So come on up, guys. Good morning. Turn this go around. Good morning. We are the Smiths. This is my handsome husband, Dave. <laughs> our, our son, Caden, who's 12, and our daughter, Brendan, who is 7, and they have prepared a reading for you this morning. All right. Hi. Um, after Jesus was born in Judea, Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? 
We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together the people, chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was born. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Matthew 2, 1 through 4, 7 through 12. No, no, don't go anywhere. I want to have all the little children. You guys got to help us sing this next song. If you want to come up here, stand right around this stump. All right? Come on up. We're going to sing this song for Christmas, for the Lord. Are you guys ready for this? All right. child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping Shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him on the babe, the son of man. Why lies he in such mean a state where ox and ass are? King of kings, salvation 
You guys did a great job. You can all go to Cindy School now. Okay. Is that me? Not you? You're not going to pray? Okay, I'll pray. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Julie Andrews. I'm in charge of these children, but I'm going to stay here for a minute. <laughs> Just a couple of announcements. One is Pastor Jim had hip surgery on Friday. Everything went well. It was a little worse than they expected, um, but he's home next door, and so now begins the hard part, which any of you have, who have had surgery know that. Um, other announcements. One is that a week from today, the 19th, we're going to have the uh, Christmas carol sing-along. Is that what we're calling it? It's actually in your bulletin. If you dutifully got your bulletin, there's a little sheet in there. Take that home. Take it to a neighbor. Invite them to come. 5.30 next Sunday. We'll have hot chocolate. Um, and we're going to be outside here. We've got some of those big stand tall heaters. And we're just going to enjoy time together and sing some Christmas carols. Uh, we also have Christmas Eve services. Those will be indoors this year at 4 and 6. That's December 24th for anybody who doesn't have their calendar in front of them. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so anyway, so Christmas Eve services will be indoors, which is why we are doing the outdoor carol sing, because we really loved that time last year being outdoors, so we thought, how can we embrace both? Um, oh, one thing to mention, after the Christmas carol sing on the 19th, there will be a youth event uh, to follow. So anyone who has kiddos 6th grade and up, um, they can stay for that. It's normally our high school youth group night, so... Uh, and then, sorry, this is a lot. I hope you're all writing this down. Uh, then the, the following two Sundays, which is December 26th and January 2nd, uh, we'll have one service, one 930 service for both of those. Um, so show up. That would be great. And I think that's it for me. Why don't I pray since you didn't? Okay, that sounds great. Father, thank you for um, the hearts you've given these people to show up here today to hear Rob uh, lead us as our pastor. Um, thank you for um, praises. Thank you for joy. Thank you for this Advent season, Lord, and for the coming of our Savior. Wow, what a gift. Um, we also know that there are people struggling in this season. So, Father, we ask that you would be with them, that you would help mend hearts, that you would help bring joy where it's needed, because we know that that is um, something that they need. So, Father, we love you. Uh, please bless our time together. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Julie.
So we're in the third week of Advent, and uh, we have talked about the announcers so far, the angels proclaiming, today a Savior is born. Uh, and then we talked about the animals last week, and today we're talking about the wise men. And uh, we just lit the peace candle. And to, um, oftentimes, you know, for me, historically, when I've had to lead worship or speak or something like that, the Lord will allow... Uh, people to drift into my life or circumstances to unfold in my life that that push and pull and strain and and oftentimes I'm like God I don't like this it's uncomfortable and um, I feel kind of like a sponge you know I get around other people and I kind of soak in their emotional state or the you know what it is that they're walking through and oftentimes it's like oh my God what an incredible thing and so anyway to start this whole um, uh, discussion off, I want to play you a song, um, and uh, I, this is an odd thing for me sometimes, because I'm like, oh, I don't, performing, but I really felt like this is where the Lord wants to go, and he wants us to um, sit with these thoughts, so with that, I'm going to sit, I'm going to play the song, it was written by a guy named Randy Stonehill, I don't know how long ago, um, but it's called Christmas at Denny's. Got Christmas music piped in through the ceiling, and the refills of coffee are always for free. And the waitress on graveyard and the surly night manager. They're wishing that all of us losers would leave. There's a star on the sign at the Texaco station, like a star long ago on that midnight clear. As I look all around at these cold, empty faces, I doubt that you'd find many wise men here And I'm dreaming about a silent night A holy night when things were alright And I'm dreaming about how my life could have been If only, if only, if only But somewhere down the road I gave up that fight Merry Christmas It's Christmas at Denny's tonight Once I had a home, a wife, 
and a daughter and a company job earning middle-class pay but then Lisa got killed by a car near the schoolyard and my wife started drinking just to get through each day I will never forget that little red wagon turning to rust all alone in the rain and one morning a flag down a truck on the highway I just couldn't bear to go back there again and I'm dreaming about a silent night a holy night when things were alright and I'm dreaming about how my life could have been if only if only if only Not just the blind man who loses his sight. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas at Denny's tonight. And they say that life's made of cruel circumstance. Fate plays its tune and we dance We dance till we drop in the dust and we're gone And the world just goes on La 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 cop at the counter he's a guardian angel and he watches these orphans through dark mirrored shades and the register rings like a bell sadly tolling For the fools we've become And the price that we've paid Oh, when I was a boy I believed in Christmas A miracle season to make a new start Well, I don't need no miracles, sweet baby Jesus Help me find some kind of hope in my heart And I'm dreaming about a silent night A holy night when things were alright And I'm dreaming about how my life could have 
If only, if only, if only. But I'll still be here at the morning's first light. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas at Denny's tonight. Merry Christmas It's Christmas at Denny's Tonight <clears throat> So I, I sing that song and I, and I, I used it to tee up the whole... Uh, the thrust of my um, conversation um, because it's like it captures uh, a picture of a life. And this week for me, I have had, I, I just want to give you guys just a snapshot of all of these lives that have come drifting into my world just this week. And uh, let you guys, it's like the Lord, when I meet these people, I listen to their stories and I'm like, oh, Sometimes I'm amazed that people have the courage to step out of bed. So this week, um, a friend of ours here at our community is a doctor. He's a faithful husband, faithful father. He was a missionary for many, many years. And now in his later years, he's struggling with cancer. And his wife is struggling with you know, debilitating back pain. And uh, this Wednesday morning at the, the men's Iron Hour breakfast, he's like, I need to, I feel like I'm, I need to express that right now life sucks. But I can testify to the goodness of the Lord. A young, a young, another young friend of mine. He's he's energetic. He's talented. He's a musician, and uh, he and I were hanging out this week, and I get just a snapshot of his story. You know, he's he's kind of estranged from his parents. He was kind of the the wayward son. Um, got into drugs and tried to get out of that. Went to AA. That didn't seem to work for him. It got a little weird and culty for him. He's like, ah, out of here. And uh, somehow he wends his way to Summit County, Colorado, and now he's here, and he's just trying to keep his feet on the ground. So he's in this community. He's got a girlfriend, but he's asking questions. He's like, I don't know. And he's like swirling in the midst of all the stuff while trying to just, you know, stay sober. Another friend of mine, she's, she's a fighter. She's like a little, you know, she's a little pit bull of a fighter. And she's, you know, she hasn't had an easy road to walk. You know, she grew up in a very troubled family. And now, you know, she's estranged from her mother. And I don't know what her relationship with the rest of her family is like. But uh, 16 years ago, she was in a terrible car accident. And it crushed her. And now she deals every day with trying to negotiate pain. 
and she would love to play music, and, and she wants, like anybody else, to be incorporated into a community of love and acceptance where there's life and there's creativity and laughter. And all the while, you know, she's dealing with debilitating pain. Another, I just met this woman this week. She's fantastic. She drove over here. She was living out of her car. And uh, she ended up in Summit County. And uh, she related to me. You know, she grew up in a Christian home. And her family, she, there were six of the children. You know, they would all sit around the table after dinner every day and read the Bible. Cover to cover. Again and again and again. And uh, she was the one. She's like, I'm out of here. Loaded up her car and just drove. And... You know, a circuitous route to Summit County. Ends up landing in a bar and runs into Jim in pub theology. And she's like, oh, this is so cool. And, you know, just uh, exciting. And she uh, ends up meeting a man. And he's a nice guy. And they get married. And then she finds out that he wasn't who he had presented himself to be. And now a year later, she's picking up the pieces uh, after a divorce and and uh, just trying to make sense of life. But she talks about in the middle of all the rubble, she's like, ah, the Lord has been so good to me. You know, she's crying and laughing at the same time. And she talks about how the Lord has introduced her to people, and and she has a job. And and she's like, I don't understand it. I'm just like, I'm just, again, just trying to keep my balance. Uh, another friend of mine, and these are all the people I did. This is just this week, you know. This is like, whew, whew, whew. I'm like, oh God, you know. So I figured if he puts it on me, then I get to dump it onto you guys. So, um, so Steve, my buddy, you guys know Steve. He's the bass player who plays with me. I love this guy. Um, he's now taking care of his mother full time, and she's got very advanced dementia, and it's got to be hard for anybody to watch another human being be stripped of their mental faculties and to be stripped of their dignity when they can't even take care of themselves like she doesn't know where she is she doesn't know who Steve is she oftentimes doesn't even know you know she's combing her hair with toothpaste and stuff like that and you're like but it's going to be especially hard when it's your mother and you're taking care of her And he's just, you know, he's walking through it, brave, strong, but the weight. Another friend of mine, she's uh, in a very difficult marriage. Her husband is an alcoholic. Uh, She's got a stepdaughter who presents as a bisexual, non-binary, and uh, is riddled with social anxiety barely comes out of her room and uh, she's in the middle of that trying to figure out how did I get here? Another friend of mine, he's brilliant. He's smart and he's funny and he's talented. Grew up in a Christian home but he's like, you know, he got himself into the drug scene and he's got himself, uh, you know, to where... He's just trying to feel normal. So he's like smoking and drinking and doing this, you know, mushrooms and just to try to feel a sense of normalcy because he's just, he's anxious when I'm around him. I'm like, this man has no peace in his heart. He's married, 
they want to have kids, they can't get pregnant. And there's all that, you know, the emotional stress of that whole thing. He can't sleep because he feels guilty because he introduced some of his friends to some of these drugs that end up killing his friends. Like, oh, the weight of that. And then I have another friend. She's, she's just, she's lovely. She loves to laugh. She loves to sing. She loves to play music. And like all of us, you know, she wants to be in that community of love and acceptance. But the idea of a, a pathway to redemption for her got sealed shut when her father ran away with a woman on a missionary trip and abandoned the family. So I run into all these people and I kind of absorb the weight of all of that. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. What do you do with it? Where do you go with it? You know, when I was, I was a teenager, my parents uh, moved us all over to Saudi Arabia and we lived in Jeddah, right on the Red Sea. And sometimes what we would do is we would pack up with a bunch of other people and we would drive out of the city three and a half hours outside of the city to where there wasn't, uh, you know, you, there wasn't any light pollution. There wasn't anybody, there wasn't anything around. It was just you know, the desert and the Red Sea. And we'd set up camp. And on this one particular time, there was a gentleman who was in our little group that we were camping with who would go out lobstering at night. You know? And he invited us to go, and I thought, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, let's do this. And it was a moonless night, so it's like dark upon dark. You know, the stars are going crazy, but it's just dark, dark. And so we, we go out into the water, and you have these flashlights that have like eight double D batteries, and you just, you know, you shine in the light. But it's always a little unnerving because you feel like you step back into the, the, the food chain, you know. It's like you're worried about it. <laughs> it's kind of, you feel vulnerable and exposed, you know. And so I was, you know, my buddy partner was my brother, Zach, and we were swimming. And what we didn't know, because we weren't familiar with the reef, you know, a brand new area, and the reef had this, like, a fin on it. So it kind of did this kind of thing. And so we're out there for an hour and a half, like, sweeping the surface of the reef. And you're looking for the little, um, the eyes of the lobster, because they glow up like a deer's light in the headlight. Same kind of thing. And then when you see them, you try to go grab them. And I was always chicken. I didn't want to grab them. But <coughs> we... Uh, we're out there for a long time, and then we're like, ah, let's go back inside. Let's, let's go back to camp. And so you pop your head up, because you're not paying attention to anything above the water. You're just looking down and making sure there's no shark coming up on you. And I look up, and I'm looking around, and I'm trying to, oh, oh, there it is. And I see the, the light from our camp. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my direction. i got to go that way. And uh, so I start, you know, we start following the light. And all of a sudden, the reef goes, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I'm young, you know, I'm 14, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, so I look up again, I'm like, no, no, that's the light, that's scary as all get out, because, you know, you can't see the bottom, the water was murky, because there was like a, you know, a windstorm, and it blows sand into the water, and it's not so clear, and so that at night, when your flashlight's shining off of all the particulates in the water, it, it makes it cloudy, and you can't see very far. So all of a sudden I realized, in order to follow with the light, I have to cross this chasm where there's, you know, 
scary things that are going to potentially eat me. And I didn't want to do that. But ultimately, you have to make a decision to trust your senses and say, that's the direction I need to go. That's scary as hell. Here I go. You know? And I tell that story because it makes me think, you know, it's like the tie-in to the wise men. The wise men show up in Scripture. You know, you, you heard the passage. It's like, you know, it's like five verses. And from the five verses, we learn some things about them. But it's not a lot, but it's important, things that we learn about them. So we know from this little section out of Matthew that they came from the east, and it was after Jesus was born. It doesn't really say how much time had passed since the birth and their arrival. We don't know. Um, we know that they were searching for the one who has been born king of the Jews, which may give us a clue to the idea that they were Gentiles. They were following a star. And that star led them to Jerusalem and ultimately to Bethlehem and to Jesus. Upon their arrival, they see Jesus and they're overjoyed, overflowing with joy. And they bow down and they worship. And then they present gifts, expensive gifts, right? Frankincense, gold, myrrh, lavish gifts. And then, because they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they left by another route back to their country and then disappeared. Like magic. You know, it's like a mystery. It's like, huh. But the Lord thought it's a good idea to include this information. So I just want to unpack that a little bit. And there's some fun things that people have done there, like they're conjecturing. You know, we don't know a lot about the wise men, but maybe... Just maybe Daniel has something to do with this. So when you jump back in time, like if you, if you jump back from the time of Jesus and you go back about 500, and 500 to 600 years, which to put that in our, uh, you know, our understanding, if we were to go back to the time of Columbus sailing and discovering America, that's about how far back, all right? So from Jesus to Daniel, Summit County 2021 to Columbus 1942, right? So in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Judah and crushed Judah. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. And these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylon and put in the treasure house of his God. Now we see that we read that in the book of Daniel. And Daniel, along with some of his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you guys, some of you know these names, they are put into a, a school because the, the Babylonians had this system where they would, they, would sift through the, uh, they would sift through the people like wheat and they would find the kernels, of the, you know, people that are useful. Oh, this guy's got a good brain, this guy, you know, okay. Daniel and his buddies, they float right to the top because... It says, God gave to these four men knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. So they entered the service of the king, and Daniel served in Babylon for 70 years. Just 
long enough to see the Israelites return to Judah at the end of the exile. So he's in Babylon for this whole time, and he and his buddy, buddies are given wisdom by the Lord. And it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. So, yeah, <clears throat> you guys have heard the story of Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And uh, he tells the, all of his, you know, wise men and magicians, he's like, I've had a dream. It's very disturbing. I want you guys to tell me what it means. And they said, well, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. He's like, no, you tell me what I dreamed and then you tell me what it means. And if you don't tell me, I'm killing all of you because you're all fake. And uh, Daniel and his buddies are part of this group. And so Daniel goes back and he prays to the Lord. Show me, Father. Give me wisdom. And so God reveals the dream to him. He goes to the king. He tells the king his dream, and then he gives him the interpretation. And because of this, the king elevates Daniel to one of the highest ruling positions in all the kingdom. And his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are also made like magistrates over, you know, provinces in the the area. And so we have these people that are committed to the Lord, and they're not afraid to stand their ground. And there's a story of Nebuchadnezzar building a statue of gold, and everyone had to bow down to this statue, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, not doing it. Do what you got to do, I'm not doing it. Because to do that would violate my devotion to my God. And the story goes, they were thrown into a fire, and they weren't burned. They came out of the fire, and not a thread of their garments were singed. Their hair was not burnt. And they testify to the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, is, he's puzzled by this. And, you know, when he's in the fire, they see a fourth figure. He's like, I thought we only threw people, three people in there. And um, so that's, you know, it's like you have these men that are standing the ground, and they're putting a stake in the ground saying, this is who I serve. And the testimony stands to make the name of the Lord great in all the world. And Daniel had the same situation where they were trying to figure out how to get rid of Daniel. All these other people were irritated with him because he was smarter and faster and uh, always um, getting in their way. So they come up like, ah, king, make a decree that uh, anybody who's praying to any other god except you in the next 30 days, you know, you throw him in the lion's den. And the king makes the decree, which is irrevocable. And so then they say, oh, Daniel, he was praying to his God. And the king's like, no, I don't want to kill Daniel. But it's a decree. I made it. I'm an idiot. And he uh, throws Daniel into the lion's den, and the lions don't touch him. And he lives. And each time, these things, they serve as a kind of a little testimony that God is solid, and I won't bend the knee, and he has delivered me, and he is the ultimate reality that we stand on. And the king sees this, and Daniel's there. He's in charge of all these wise men, Shadrach, Meshach, they're they're doing all of their stuff. And it stands to reason that if they're not afraid to bend the knee at the threat of corporal punishment, they would be teaching all these people about the Lord. And they'd be saying, let me teach you about the Lord and about what's coming. You know, they had, this, they had this wisdom that the Lord had given them. And so there's some, some things that uh, we can look for 
in this whole thing. So, um, oh, actually, you know, this is interesting before I get too far ahead. One of the seven wonders of the world, the hanging gardens of Babylon, are attributed to this time under Nebuchadnezzar. And it makes sense that, oh, you know, if uh, you've got these wise men and God's gifted them with understanding and they're teaching all these other people, they would create one of the best uh, pieces of architecture the planet has ever seen. I think it's kind of cool. There was just a little side note there. Um, so he's there for 70 years teaching the people, teaching the wise men. And then fast forward 550 years or so, give or take. Generation after generation, teaching, saying, pay attention to these signs. Pay attention to these signs. They're coming. Pay attention. Listen. And, you know, 500 years later, suddenly they see a fulfillment of these prophecies. Go ahead and throw. Uh, so this is just some of these um, passages that people have attributed to um, messianic prophecies. Like, it stands in Scripture, but they say it has a, an outplaying that kind of goes through time. So this is the one that's out of Numbers, and, it's, and it reads, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of the people of, Shem, of Seth. The idea of a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. The idea of a scepter being a kingdom. Run to the one in Psalm. Psalm 72. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and, Sh- and Seba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. And then go to the Isaiah passage. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. And so I think... You know, if the Babylonians, these wise men had been paying attention for so long, and then they see the signs, and they're like, ah, they're here. They're here. There's the star. This is what we've been waiting for. Let's go. And to go, you know, if they traveled from Babylon, Babylon to Jerusalem is about the same distance as Denver to New York, roughly speaking. So it's it's not something that you would casually do on a weekend. You know, it's like, this is a serious journey. So they load up, and they... They head off to um, on their journey, and they're following this star. And it's these little attributes that we can ascribe to the wise men that we catch in Scripture that I find fascinating. First, they recognized that there's a creator. It says in Scripture that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's like to, to make a mental ascent to the idea that we have been created. Everything we experience, the universe and the way that it works to, you know, how I'm fashioned and how you're made and how we think and move and all this stuff bears the thumbprint of the Lord. To recognize that is the beginning of wisdom. And then, you know, they're... they're, they're they make that, they, they're listening, they're, they're paying attention, and when they get the word, when they see the signs, 
They're not afraid to follow him. They load up and let's go. If this is the way the Lord wants to go, count me in. And then when they meet Jesus, they finally meet him, the first thing that their reaction is, they're overflowing with joy. And I have a sneaking suspicion that at some point in time, each and every one of us will encounter Jesus. Even all of these broken people that, you know, I'm broken. You know, we all, we all have this like built-in truth seeker. It's like it's a little compass that's trying to find its way to true love. And we're, we're wrestling all the time with the stuff we experience. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. It seems incongruent or it's like all messy. But when we see Jesus... That compass is going to point straight toward him. And we're going to recognize him as the truth, as a person who is love. And our automatic response is going to be one of worship. We'll bow and we'll worship because it's one of the things that we were made for. We know it intimately. We just don't know how to find it right now. So they bow and they worship. And then they take gifts and they give it to the Lord. And that's something each and every one of us can do. We all have gifts in our hands. And we can present them as an offering to the Lord. So it seems like a good recipe to me, this idea of wisdom. You know, I want to be a wise person. I don't want to be an idiot, although it's a struggle uh, for me sometimes. But in the middle of wherever you are, in the middle of, you know, anybody's life, it doesn't matter how dire and broken a life is. It's never too late to be redeemed. But the wise thing to do if you are in that place or if you're in a place that's relatively comfortable, it's still wise to stop and say, Lord, I recognize that you have made me and that I am yours. Do with me what you would. Help me to understand you. And then wait and listen like the Magi did. 500 years, generation after generation. Be patient and wait. And when you hear the Lord, follow him. You know, Jesus said to follow him. And the corollary to that idea is that Jesus is followable. If you make yourself available to him, he will lead you and he will guide you. And he will emancipate you in ways that you can't even imagine to the point where now, like me, when I am with a lot of my friends and bumping into other people, I recognize these people. They just don't have any peace. They're constantly, you know, anxious and searching. And I'm like, oh, you don't have any peace. You don't know the Lord. Can I introduce you to him? He will give you peace. So sometimes when we're lost, are we feeling like we don't have a point of reference? Like we don't know if we're going up 
down, left, right. There's a tendency to feel vulnerable and naked and exposed. And but we can see the light. And maybe that light is beckoning us to follow, but the direction of the travel is over a chasm that's terrifying. But that's where we have to go. Jesus came into the world and he walked the way of the cross. He walked straight into the gates of hell. And he says, follow me. So when we see the chasm and we're like, good Lord, that's terrifying. Is that going to hurt? Am I going to be undone? You can trust him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, I just ask that you would move into our hearts. May we understand and know you. May our capacity to understand how you fashioned us and the love that you have for us and how it is that we fit into your story. Father, may we know this in ways that we never even believed possible. I just pray this in your name. So as the ushers come down, I wanted to play one more song. Let's jump in with a song. We'll jump out with a song. And hopefully it, it communicates this idea. Like a child Soft in heart and mild Become like a child Brave and strong and wild Don't you be like the stone So hard so cold, so alone Give your life to him And become like a child Well, life can be sad And life can make you mad Life can bring you down And spin your head around And you can feel all alone No heart, no hope, no home But give your life to Him And say I'll become like a child Soft in heart and mild I'll become like a child 
brave and strong and wild. I won't be like the stone, so hard, so cold, so alone. I'll give my life to him and become like a child. Well, maybe you're wrong. You won't forgive. You won't love. You won't go along. Maybe you're proud. Got your head in a cloud. You can rage like a storm, but you won't be soft or warm. But give your life to Him and say, "I'll become." Like a child, soft in heart and mild, I'll become like a child, brave and strong and wild. I won't be like the stone, so hard, so cold, so alone. I'll give my life to Him and become like a child.